Houston Rockets basketball is back, folks. Spread the word. Hey, it's Houston Sports Radio, episode number four here on Monday night, December 12, 2016. We're recording right after the Rockets' victory, their latest victory over the Brooklyn Nets, Monday night at Toyota Center to advance the record to 18-7. and We'll talk about the Rockets later on the show. Hey, this is James Caldwell breaking it down here on Houston Sports Radio. Big five board today. We've got the Texans, Rockets, Major Applewhite, Charlie Strong, and the Houston Astros free agency. Latest on that on the pitching side tonight on the podcast. Let's kick it off with the Texans. How do they beat the Indianapolis Colts yesterday afternoon in Indianapolis? Two straight years. They've beaten the Colts in Indy. Hadn't happened before last year. They finally broke the seal and now two victories in a row, two seasons. Amazing. But uh, the Texans won. You play it back in your mind, you're not really sure how. The offense was serviceable. Uh, defense gave up a couple big plays. But really, th- this came down to the defense. The defense won this game. The offense did just enough, mostly from the rushing side. We'll get to Brock Osweiler in a second. But Jadavian Clowney made probably the best play of his NFL career, you know, three seasons in here. Third and goal. Yeah, Andrew Lux got the Colts in position to potentially go get a go-ahead touchdown. It's 16 to 10 Colts. And on that third and goal, the Colts tight end tries to block Clowney. Clowney destroys him, strips the ball from Andrew Luck. Texans recover the fumble, back in business, drive the ball back down the field for a field goal, make it 19 to 10. Big swing. That, I mean, that was such a huge play for the Texans, for the defense, for Clowney himself, who has been the subject of questions whether that, you know, is he ever going to materialize into the number one overall draft pick from a couple years ago? Uh, that was such a, that was such a JJ Watt game changing defensive play that we've been waiting for from Clowney. And he delivered it in a big spot. The offense did just enough. A lot of running, 40-plus carries between Alfred Blue and Lamar Miller. That was a strong point. You had the Brock Osweiler moments where you're like, okay, all right. And then there's the uh, moment. Uh, that was the second quarter. And I believe the Texans were leading, you know, small margin. They were leading the second uh, quarter. And we've got a third in inches here. And this followed a, another bad ball spot by the referee. We don't need to revisit this like the Oakland game from two weeks ago on Monday Night Football. But they looked like a first down to me. And they spot it short. So, okay, third and inches. You've already used a challenge in the game. You don't want to use your second challenge in the second quarter. So you, you figure you line up, you get a yard, you move on. They decide to pass and have Osweiler roll the pocket. And he throws in a triple coverage. He's intercepted. So not only do you not get the first down on third and inches, you turn the ball over. Fortunately, the defense really stepped up, saved the day in that moment, saved the day in a couple other moments, like the clowny strip sack. But it seems like every Texas game, you can count on on two things on offense uh, as far as the negative stuff. Uh, a Brock as far as sort of negative things go. We'll get to positives, but... You can count on a really strange throw from Osweiler where you're like, whoa, what's going on here? And that was that throw. Fortunately, it didn't hurt the Texans. And also uh, a Will Fuller drop, the rookie out of, uh, the rookie out of uh, Notre Dame. I don't think we saw a, a drop from Fuller on Sunday. Uh, we saw one actually from D. Hop. Hopkins, who's 
had such a struggle to just catch passes this year from Osweiler. Uh, I think he had an uncharacteristic drop during the game. So uh, Fuller's drop went to uh, to, to D Hop, uh, but yeah, there was that throw from from Osweiler. You know, he he's you know people don't like the term game manager, but that's what he is. He he handed the ball off 41 times uh, to either to either Alpha Blue or Lamar Miller, or I guess all the fullbacks actually got in the mix too. Uh, but uh, you just you just can't trust him to win the game. He did win the game against Indy here, you know, way back at the beginning of the season. It was sort of a shocking comeback in the last two minutes of the game, and then in overtime. Uh, I think I I still chalk that up more toward the Colts' defense just sort of let up, and they did not focus on the end. They just sort of hey, we're, we're, it, it, it's over. Uh, but Osweiler showed something, and we've done just enough on offense to win seven games now. And, you know, I came on the podcast last week, and I predicted the Texans would lose. I also predicted, as my buddy Matt in California pointed out, I predicted the Titans would lose the Broncos. Uh, neither one happened. <laughs> Texans won, and uh, the Titans won, so now both teams are 7-6. and six. Texans have two home games. They should win these home games, should. And they should be 9-6 and six going in the last week of the season. If they are 9-6, and six, I think that it doesn't matter uh, and I don't think anything else matters. Um, they have the tiebreaker with the Colts. They'll beat them twice. And they would have a tiebreaker with the Titans because they would have a better divisional record. The Texan, Now, if the Texans lost the Jaguars at home, then you know then things might be up in the air. But if the Texans win out at home these two games, including a divisional game against Jacksonville, they'd be 5-0. and And I believe they would guarantee the division victory. So... Everything kind of changed with that victory over the Colts. And now all the Texans really have to do is win two home games against beatable teams. Jacksonville and Cincinnati. We'll see. Can they do can they do that? Can Osweiler execute two home game victories? We've been so good at home until the San Diego game last week, or two weeks ago. That was San Diego was two weeks ago. Oakland was three weeks ago. Green Bay was last week. And that San Diego disaster in the second half. Now you know. Now now you just beat the Colts at home. What can you do now? Let's go get some redemption. But um, the positives they they won the game. The defense was stout. They they slowed Andrew Luck. The offensive game plan was fantastic. Control the clock. Run the football. Do just enough to convert third downs in the air or on the ground. And just you'll get points. They got five field goals from Nick Novak. One touchdown and a great run, a great drive with a great run at the end by by Miller. They did enough to win, and that's what Bill O'Brien talked about in this post game press conference. Was hey, we won, you know, we we did what we needed to do to win, and it's really difficult to win the NFL. Credit the Texans, they got the job done, and they're moving on. All right, number two on the big board, Houston Rockets. Oh boy, seven wins in a row after tonight. At Toyota Center, beating the Brooklyn Nets, a very close game. Rockets had a defensive lapse or two. Let the Net- Nets are a bad team, but then they let them hang around and hang around and hang around. And it, it was it was what one eighteen all with about a minute left in the game, and the Rockets defense won this game. Two great defensive stops where the Nets did not even get a shot off, uh, turned the ball over, and then also Trevor Reza with an epic block to seal the victory when I believe it was a one-point game at that point. 
And Ariza, just a straight-up great block on the Nets player. And free throws sealed it for the Rockets. So you go back to Friday, a big road win against Oklahoma City. And then Saturday, coming right back to Houston, playing a really bad Mavericks team that's banged up. Injuries, uh, sort of a depleted roster. And they they just won. They just They just straight up won. So another big test. Monday night, a bad team. Are you going to have let up? And there were moments where they where the Rockets let up, but they got the job done. The thing about the Rockets' defense is there's going to be times it looks really bad. But as long as the offense is there, I think the Rockets can focus enough at the point when it matters the most, the end of the game, to get the job done. They did that against Oklahoma City on Friday. They did it tonight against the Nets. They had key stops, key defense. And I, I mean, I think Patrick Beverly's been the key to all of this. You know, he was injured for the first, what, uh, several games of the year. When he came back, they brought back that defensive intensity from when the Rockets made the Western Conference Finals a couple of seasons ago. So you have the defensive lapses. You end up giving up 100, 120 points to the Nets. Can't do that. But the offense is so good right now. Putting up, you know, 100 points in the first three quarters. It's like the Warriors. I really want to see a Rockets-Warriors game in Houston. I want to see how this team matches up with the Warriors in Houston. You know, we saw the Rockets just beat the Warriors in in, in, uh, Golden, in California up there in Oakland against uh, Golden State. How about back at home? I want to see this team against the Warriors in, in Houston. That's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah, this Rockets team, if they, if they play enough defense, the offense is so good that they can win games three, four, five, seven in a row. And also avoid, you know, two or three game losing streak. Because, I mean, they really can't afford to in this Western Conference. Look at the standings. There is very little separation between three and seven right now. Obviously, it's very early. We're not even to the second half of the season. We're not even to the new year. So, you're not going to see a lot of separation because there just haven't been as many games played. But the Rockets are right now, as of tonight, in third place. They were in a tie with the Clippers coming in tonight. Rockets won, so they're in third place. The Jazz are only three back of the Rockets in that difference between three and seven. Of course, the Rockets are only three back of the Warriors between three and one. So it's very tight. And then after the Jazz at seven, you've got a big drop-off. You've got the Trailblazers, who are sub-500, and the Lakers, who are really sub-500. And, I mean, the, the rest of the Western Conference is bad. Basically, the Rockets, unless they completely fall apart at some point of a major injury, they should be in the playoffs. I mean, at this point, I know it's really early, but 25 games in, there's no way they should miss the playoffs. Now, you don't want to end up, you know, having a bad second half of the season, end up in the eighth spot where you're matching against the Warriors, the best of seven series. Right now, they're in a good spot, and the Rockets could keep pushing. You know, keep pushing. You know, the conventional wisdom is that the Warriors and Spurs will battle for the one and two spots. Uh, and also the Clippers, because the Clippers had a really strong start. Uh, but then the Clippers got destroyed by the Warriors over the weekend. So they've had to come back to earth a little bit. But then the Warriors got destroyed by the Grizzlies. So and the Grizzlies have won six in a row. So, I mean, the Western Conference on the top half is really, really good. So the Rockets have got to keep pace. They can't have multiple game losing streaks. I mean, they've got to continue to develop the defensive intensity that goes the entire game, not just when it counts. I mean, you look, at the, you look at the streaks in the standings of Western Conference. Warriors have won one in a row. Spurs won in a row. Rockets seven in a row. Clippers won in a row. Grizzlies six in a row. Thunder, Jazz won in a row. All these top seven teams are winning streaks right now. You got to keep pace. And I think the Rockets have what it takes to keep pace in the Western Conference. So this is going to be a fun season. 
Tell your friends, check out the Rockets, either on TV or in person. I'm going to hope to make it out to some games and do a live report here on the Houston Sports Radio Podcast. After this quick break, we'll talk college football. All right, we're back here on Houston Sports Radio. It's a Monday night. It's December 12th, 2016. And I want to remind you guys, we're at blogtalkradio.com slash Houston Talk. Or we're in iTunes. Download the RSS feed, Houston Sports Radio. Just do a search for that. And you can get the RSS feed right there on your device to listen to each episode as we update throughout the week. I'll probably be back midweek when uh, some more news happens, more Rockets games, maybe an Astros deal or two. And um, also a preview of the the Houston Cougars bowl game Saturday in Las Vegas. So we'll be back midweek. Let's talk college football. And on Monday, the University of Houston officially introduced Major Applewhite as the new head football coach. All of the big dignitaries were on hand for the press conference on Monday afternoon. Applewhite, you know, gave the standard introduction speech, really good comments. You can, you, just, you just feel the fire that he's got. It's his first head coaching gig after being an assistant for about 10 years after graduating from Texas. And, you know, he's got that competitive fire. He's ready. He's got an idea and a vision of what he wants to do. It was a really cool moment, too, that after you know opening comments from Rene Couture and Hunter Juracek, uh, they had Greg Ward, the Cougars' starting quarterback, senior quarterback, who's worked so close with Applewhite when Applewhite was the OC for two years. And, and Greg Ward introduced Applewhite, and that was a really cool moment. Uh, really kind of added a special touch to the press conference and what it means for Applewhite to be the new head coach for the Cougs. And... You know, uh, there there was a there was a really good sense about this team going forward. Now we'll see we'll see Saturday with the bowl game when when the Cougars play San Diego State in Las Vegas. There was a bit of a, I mean, it's been an interesting interesting three weeks. Tom Herman leaves, go to UT, and Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator, takes over an interim basis to kind of get the team ready for the bowl game. And then Applewhite's named the new head coach. Now Applewhite's going to coach the bowl game and transition to head coach for next year. And it looks like Todd Orlando is probably going to go to UT to be the DC, to be the uh, defensive coordinator for Tom Herman in, in Austin. So I mean, this is just been a chaotic bowl season, Com- you know, compounded by the, being the very first uh, Saturday of bowl games on the seventeenth. You know, I mean, I mean, last year the Cougars were playing on New Year's Eve on the thirty first in Atlanta in the Peach Bowl. So you've had a packed bowl season, bowl prep into two fewer weeks of time. And meanwhile, you're searching for a coach and deciding what the right coach is. So they go with Applewhite, um, and, and I think it's a great move. I think he instilled a lot of confidence in the fan base. Uh, you also had Fertitta, chairman of the, of the Board of Regents, got his time to <laughs> rant a little bit about the Cougars being out of the mix of these so-called Power Five conferences and how he thinks it's ridiculous that it's even a label and um, and how he hopes for conference realignment when you, and he hopes that U of H is included in the next round of conference realignment. So uh, otherwise, you said U of H is fine, and they were a couple wins away from playing in a you know playing in the in the Big Four playoffs this year in the the Final Four, the you know college football playoffs, and you know, you know not if they didn't lose a Navy or have the disaster at SMU mid season, which came the same week that the Big Twelve decided not to vote for anybody to be included. And I, I I still think that big cloud hung over 
uh, U of H when they went to go play SMU in Dallas, and they looked awful back in October. So you take away those two losses, and you're looking at maybe a completely different situation for the Cougars. But nevertheless, I think Applewhite is the guy to read this to lead this team. And you know, going back to last week, there was a lot more information that came back came out about why the Cougars decided on Applewhite and not Lane Kiffin. The the word from Fertitta was that Kiffin was not a safe hire. And you can interpret that a thousand different ways. Is it professional? Is it uh, personal? You know, personal issues, professional issues. I, I think it's more about Applewhite. I think it's more about Applewhite has the respect of the Texas high school football coaches, the respect of the Texas high school football players, of his own players at U of H. He is the known, and he has built relationships with all these guys over the last two years, especially on the offensive side. And I think Applewhite was just the right choice at this stage for the Cougars. And, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll be gone in a couple years and and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and U of H will remain the quote-unquote stepping stone. But I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know where Applewhite stands as far as, hey, I want to be a Power 5 conference coach in XYZ years. Or is he going to wait to see if maybe U of H does get included in another round of a realignment talks, whether it is the ACC or the Pac-12 or even if the Big 12 wakes up and realizes they need the Cougars. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how long he stays at U of H. And obviously, he's got to win games. If he doesn't win any games, then you know, he won't be gone. He, he'll, he won't last very long for the different reasons we're thinking of. Uh, but I, I anticipate that Applewhite will get his next quarterback ready, whether it's King, whether it's the transfer Allen, and he'll have that team ready for next year. And I, I really think that U of H is in good hands with Applewhite. We'll see what kind of staff he assembles. Now that he's the head man for the Cougars, but I, I think that based on the press conference today, I mean, you can't read too much in a press conference. But I was very impressed by Tom Herman when he was introduced as the Texas coach, and I was very impressed by Applewhite when he was introduced today as the Cougars head coach. So let's see what happens on Saturday. Greg Ward's final game as quarterback. They're going up against a really good, uh, really good offense from San Diego State with a Doak Walker finalist in Pumphrey. Um, so that, you know, they've got one of the all-time great running backs in college football history on San Diego State. We'll do a full bowl preview later on this week, but a big test for Applewhite on Saturday and getting this team ready after all the distractions the last two weeks. Also, college football, Charlie Strong, former Texas head coach, is going to South Florida. And we talked a lot about this last week about Charlie Strong, that he has recruiting ties to Florida he was the defensive coordinator at Florida for the Gators when they won a national championship under Urban Meyer. And, you know, we talked about how the Louisville team that he had coached was almost half Florida players. You know, he, he knows how to recruit Florida. And so it makes sense he's going to go back to a Florida school. It just happens to be South Florida. So he's kind of going back to a non-Power 5 school. And South Florida being the same conference as the Cougars, the American, South Florida's coming off a 10-2 season where Willie Taggart just left to go to Oregon. Now Charlie Strong's coming in to, to South Florida to be their head coach. So he's going back to uh, sort of where Louisville was before they were in the ACC as sort of a non-Power 5 conference team. And it'll be interesting to see if he if he is able to build on Willie Taggart's success and be able to recruit and play and coach these Florida kids that he was trying to bring to Texas. You know, he was trying to recruit Florida players to Texas, and only a couple of them have really stuck over the last, you know, three seasons that Charlie was the coach. It's just kind of a different culture uh, from Florida to Texas uh, football. 
or Florida to California or Texas to California. Um, and so I think Charlie might have a, have better success in Florida where he can recruit there. And the funny thing is, is that Texas had scheduled a home-and-home home series with South Florida while Charlie was here at Texas. Now, at the beginning of the, of the season, Texas moved the, uh, the series with USF back a couple years. So they were actually supposed to have a game against South Florida in Austin next season which would have been very funny uh, with Charlie Strong coming back to Austin in his very first season with USF. But at the beginning of the season, they actually moved that series back to 2020 and 2022. So Texas hosts USF. It's supposed to be in September 2020. So you, you know, unless Charlie Strong get, moves on to a different job in the next couple of years, you would assume that's a that's that might be a game uh, of uh, Tom Herman against Charlie Strong in 2020, and then the Longhorns go to South Florida in 2022, September 2022. So it'll skip 21, and, and go to South Florida to play to play the Bulls. So will Charlie Strong actually be the coach uh, of South Florida when those two games come up in 2020 and 2022? That that would be very interesting to see uh, what happens. So. Uh, instead of playing South Florida, Texas is actually going to play San Jose State next year. So the, the non-conference schedule for Texas next year is an opening game against Maryland on September 2nd, 2017. And then San Jose State, who they never played before, out of California, on September 9th. So those are the two opening home games. And then they go to California to play USC, the third game of the season. So that's going to be an interesting uh, sort of a non-conference schedule, San Jose State instead of South Florida, which looks pretty good right now because San Jose State, uh, not to say they're an inferior opponent, but you know, based on record-wise, you would say they are. South Florida had a really good ten and two season, um, so your your non-conference at home is you know it, it, it's it's beatable. Tom Herman should be two and zero going into that week three matchup at USC at uh, at the Coliseum. So that's gonna be a fun matchup in. Uh, early 2017 season. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk all about that uh, later on here on the Houston Sports Radio Podcast. We'll get to 2017, look ahead, get some recruiting in, and get that final schedule for Texas and Houston. And what does Herman's first schedule look like um, as the head man in Austin? What does Applewhite's full schedule look like as the head man in Houston? Charlie Strong, what does his schedule look like out in South Florida? And, and will he be around for the Charlie Strong Bowl in uh, 2020 and 2022. So good stuff there from college football. We'll take a break and wrap up with the Astros. All right, back here on Houston Sports Radio, James Caldwell covering your big five stories in Houston and Texas sports. Let's talk Astros on the hot stove. They they They've lined up the offense. Offense is good to go. And they've got so many free agents that we can't even come up with a lineup. And they're going to have a lot of string, spring training battles on that offensive side. Now it's about the pitching. And they've got Dallas Keuchel. You hope he has a rebound year after last year's disaster. They ended it with an injury after the winning the Cy Young two years ago. They're looking to sign a big-name pitcher to complement Dallas Keuchel. And so you, the, the options, there's some options out there. The matter is, do they have the finances to secure some of these players? And it'll be interesting to see if a deal gets made this week because the offense is really good to go, but the defense needs some help. 
and they've got to land another name or two. You know, you got you got Keiko. Some players were up and down. You, you have your solid, dependable starters with Keiko. You've got, you know, Colin McHugh, Lance McCullers had some some good moments. They just signed Charlie Morton, so that's a good pickup. You got to go out and find another free agent starting pitcher to complement some of the guys you have. So I'll be really curious to see who the Astros pick up, or at least try to pick up, in free agency this this next week or two to really get that uh, to kind of get that the starting rotation finalized going into next season. You know the bullpen's pretty good. You know you, you've got your Ken Giles who you hope figures it out year two as the Astros closer. You have also you have Will Harris. You have Lou Gregerson. You've got a really good bullpen right now. Davinsky, Chapman. These are good pieces in your bullpen. You got to get a couple more starting pitchers to at least compete for spots uh, with some of the guys you have down to AAA and who might be ready for the major league. So let's see what the Astros do. But I wanted to give an update on what they're looking to do in this next week or two, get a free agent pitcher, and we'll see if they sign anybody. And we'll re- relay that here on the Houston Sports Radio Podcast. But really great uh, week of sports. Texans win. Rockets are on a roll. Cougars have their head coach. Texas Longhorns have their head coach. Astros are on in the market for a starting pitcher. So a lot of stuff happening. We will be back midweek with another podcast here on Houston Sports Radio. Be sure to bookmark us right here, blogtalkradio.com slash Houston Talk. Download us on iTunes. Grab that RSS feed by typing in Houston Sports Radio. We appreciate your support and listening to us here on the show. This is James Caldwell signing off for Houston Sports Radio.